A Walk Among the Stars, The Monsters, The Paranormal, and Supernatural. Join your tour guides, Justin and Josh, on this cryptic journey through life and beyond. Welcome to It's Cryptic Out There. everybody to another episode of it's cryptic out there podcast i'm your host justin guys today it's only me josh is currently moving so he's all tied up with that however this episode is very very insane if you can't already tell by the title maybe the show notes yeah uh it's deep it it got deep in this research which is which is always fun. Uh, however, before we start, I just want to uh, shout out the new Patreon members. Uh, let's see. Paula Jean or Paul A. Jean. Thank you so much. Dale Christensen. Thank you very much. And Sarah Dawn. Thank you very much. All right. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Alright. So let's start off with how this episode came to be. This episode came to be because uh, somebody sent me... I think I got a couple people sent me this meme. Or it's a comparison photo. It's not really a meme. It's just a comparison photo. Uh, it's a map. And the map... It reads... The top map shows mysterious cases of people vanishing without a trace. The bottom map shows America's largest cave systems. Now, I'll pop it up on the screen if I haven't already. Just just take a look at it. And go back, or you could read as well, uh, mysterious cases of people vanishing without a trace. And then the bottom map shows America's largest caves. Cave systems. Look how similar they are. Isn't that wild? I have this website pulled up as it talks about the, the, the comparison. It says, what's true? A few similarities exist between a map of mysterious cases of missing persons and a map of cave systems in the United States. Now, what's false? However, this is not a map of all people who have gone missing in the U.S. It focuses on so-called strange disappearances that occurred near national parks. Data from the bottom map was overlaid on the top to make the coincidence seem stronger. It's not all of the, the missing 
persons in the United States, of course. However, it mentioned strange disappearances. Now, I thought that was an interesting word to use. Uh, let's, let's continue on reading. An image graphic supposedly shows how a map of missing persons in the United States matches up with a map of America's largest cave systems is frequently shared on social media. This may seem like an eerie coincidence at first glance, but when we took a closer look at where the maps originated and what they showed, the comparison seemed overstated. For starters, the top map is not even a, a list of every missing persons in the United States. If you notice, the map doesn't show any missing persons in large metropolitan areas like Detroit, Michigan. That's because it was created with the focus on people who mysteriously vanished in remote areas specifically near national parks. And because national parks are home to nearly 5,000 caves, these two maps not surprisingly have some similarities. They mentioned 5,000 caves. I bet there's more. Wouldn't you think? I mean, 5,000 is a lot, but... I feel like there's some hidden caves. Alright, let's continue on. The original map of missing persons was created by David Polides, a former detective and current Bigfoot hunter, for his Missing 411 book series, or 411. The version of this map on his website shows a series of orange dots surrounded by various color markings, but it doesn't feature the hundreds of black dots shown on the viral map above. It appears that someone simply took the cave dots from the bottom map and overlaid them onto the missing persons map. This may just explain why the two maps look so similar. Some parallels can still be drawn between the two maps. After all, Polides was mapping people who mysteriously vanished. So I wanted to go back at this writer, the Missing 401 book series, uh, also films, okay, which documented cases of people who have gone missing in national parks and elsewhere and assert that these cases are unusual and mysterious, contrary to data and analysis, which suggests that they are not actually statistically mysterious or even unexpected. Interesting. Now, get this, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know the National Park Service has no database where missing people are tracked across the system? Because of this, no one even knows how many people are currently missing in parks. Why haven't they fixed that already? <laughs> Wouldn't you think they would think of that? I was reading they have like documentation of events that occurred in these areas, even like films. They have all docu documentations of that, but not missing people? Something, something's fishy going on with that. I wanted to go more in depth or talk about a particular story, probably the most popular, the Dennis Martin story that happened in 1969. Now looking up the Charlie Project website, I'll pop up his photo here. This cute kid. Missing since 6-14-1969. Missing from Great Smoky Mountains National Park, Tennessee. 
classification lost lost classification lost slash injured missing um date of birth 6 20 so he was six years old ladies and gentlemen when he vanished today he would be uh in his 60s i guess yes yeah, 60s he was only 55 pounds uh four feet tall the clothing he was wearing a red t-shirt dark green hiking shorts white socks and black low-cut oxford shoes with a simple heel okay he had a medical condition dennis had learning disabilities in 1969 at the time of his disappearance his mental age was about half a year behind his chronological age distinguishing distinguishing characteristics Caucasian male, dark brown hair, brown eyes. Dennis's hair is wavy and has a long, thick eyelashes. He was missing one of his upper front teeth at the time he disappeared. God, that's sad. Alright, the details of his disappearance. Dennis was visiting the Great Smoky Mountains National Park with his father his grandfather, his older brother, and two cousins on June 14, 1969. The family lived in Knoxville, Tennessee at the time. They hiked from Cades Cove to Russell Field, a distance of 10 miles their first day, then traveled to Spence Field the next day and set up camp there. Dennis was last seen between 2 and 4.30 p.m., that day as he played a game of hide-and-seek in Spence Field in the park near the Appalachian Trail. He disappeared behind a bush in the area and he was never seen again. The search for Dennis involved over 1,400 people and was the largest, most extensive search in the history of the park. The search effort was hampered by heavy rain that hit the area on the evening of June 14th. However, and no evidence as to the child's whereabouts was ever located. In 1985, a ginseng hunter, I guess that's how you pronounce it, told authorities he saw what he believed were the skeletal remains of a child in Tremont's Big Hollow, Tennessee. He had actually seen the bones years earlier and hadn't come forward sooner because he would be blamed for Dennis's death. Law enforcement went to the spot the hunter indicated, but found nothing. Hmm. That's weird. Who would just randomly move bones? Dennis was a special education student at the time of his disappearance. He described as a husky, healthy boy who had hiking and camping experience and wasn't particularly fearful. His case remains unsolved. He is believed to have gotten lost and perished in the park. However, there's a lot of theories on to what happened to Dennis. And it gets pretty gnarly if you haven't noticed already. 
Now let's go to the theories. Could America's 59 national parks be a cover-up for government operations surrounding missing persons? Holy shit! Alright. In the year 2017, there were 650,000 missing persons in the United States alone. Yet, the sinister part about this is the fact that these victims are not documented on federal database and the media was silent. Why? Yeah, why? You may ask, if the media was and is silent about these undocumented and unreported missing persons, then how are the numbers and information reported? There are force rangers and family members who are the eyes and ears to what is taking place within the national forests. Through word of mouth, many private investigations, as well as alternative news media, these truths are surfacing. Family members who are grief-stricken over the mysterious disappearances of loved ones and to find there is no federal database open to the public is outstanding. It is. Forest rangers have come forward out of concern for the safety and well-being of all persons entering the national forests. Former law enforcement and investigator David Polides has written a series of books and produced the movie Missing 411. Polides stated the United States and Canada have the largest number of missing persons, followed by Australia and the United Kingdom. For the record, there are more than 6,000 national parks in nearly 100 different countries around the world. The National Park Service leaves it to the local law enforcement to track and solve or file away these tragic incidents as cold cases. Jesus Christ. Since there are no since there are no consequences no federal database of per- missing persons who have disappeared on federal lands, it's difficult to track. Some cases of the missing can and are explained by tragic accidents of exploring the great outdoors or animal attacks, falling off mountains, or exposure to outdoor elements. Yet, the greater number of missing persons in national parks is unexplained. And most disturbingly, undocumented. Although investigator Polides would never admit to saying on record that he believes in UFOs and paranormal activity abducted these missing persons, he merely states for the record, quote, it's like something out of the X-Files. He collected over 2,000 cases with similar explainable characteristics he mentions some of the largest groups of missing person victims are the Yosemite National Park and also around boulder fields and granite locations. Approximately 80% of missing persons are within 150 miles of water. The cluster map shows most of the missing are local are located in the following areas. On the west coast, these clusters run from north to south through the Cascade down through the Sierras and the east coast. The clusters run north to south through the Appalachian Trail as well as the Great Lakes area. 
with a very small cluster in Idaho, Montana, Rock and Rockies. Strange to note, there is very, very few in the middle of America through Kansas, North, and South Dakota. The National Park Service was originally created by Congress through the National Park Service Organic Act on on August 25, 1916. The year the National Park Service was celebrated their 103rd anniversary of the 59 national parks appointed to the President of the United States and run by the U.S. Department of the Interior, the agency was designed to conserve the scenery and the natural and historic objects and wildlife therein and to provide for the enjoyment of the same in such manner by such means will leave them um, impaired for the enjoyment of future generations. Jesus, what a freaking statement that was. David Pollitt is a retired police detective of more than 20 years of service to include SWAT team and street crimes unit in San Jose, California, noticed a pattern of startling numbers of children going missing from national parks. Among these cases, he noticed odd similarities. Pollitt made it in his life's mission to investigate that he really that what's really taking place in our national parks and why there's no public or media attention on their missing persons or federal documentation. Through years of investigation, he noticed an emerging pattern. Missing persons were clustered around bodies of water in national parks, usually within 150-mile range, yes. He also noticed that in some of the missing persons were found alive They had complete memory loss of time and place. If these missing persons were found dead, the cause of their deaths went undetermined. Sometimes these victims were found in an area totally unrelated to where they went missing as well. Some were found in the most remote remote areas of forests or, sorry, forests or on mountaintops to difficult too difficult to reach by foot <clears throat> Polides gave the example of a little boy whose body was found lying on a fallen tree trunk the tree was lying across the trail search had the trail searchers had taken for days before the body appeared there people are often missing their clothes and shoes Search and rescue dogs are strangely unable to pick up the scent. This is crazy, guys. This is pretty nuts. Some canine handlers have told Polities that their search dogs are act they act strangely. Oh wow. Walking a little way, circling, then sitting down. As an investigative detective working on these missing person cases, he filed many F O I A requests for various cases and did not receive much help. Wow. If you are planning to walk or hike in the woods at one of the national parks in the near future, it's best to go with others, carrying a GPS in case you got you get lost. <laughs> um, I would be carrying a gun, a machete, hatchet, a bomb, whatever I have. 
Tell someone where you are going and be aware of your surroundings and maybe consider taking some sort of protection. Yep, yeah, already said it. That, that should have been the first thing you wrote down. We have no guarantees in this life that we will live to see tomorrow. Okay, this is getting deep. So what do you guys think about that theory? That the government is covering up these missing person stories? Where are they taking them? Why, why is it mostly kids? I would love to hear your thoughts if you want to uh, call the hotline or send a message in the socials. would love to hear your thoughts about that theory. Now, the second theory, which is crazy, this is like a horror movie, wrong turn, hills have eyes type shit, ladies and gentlemen. Feral humans in the Smoky Mountains. What happened to Dennis Martin? So going back to Dennis, this is another theory. First theory, the government took him? Or did feral cannibals take him? Let's read this. Late in the afternoon and the boys were enjoying each other's company. He was wearing a bright red shirt when he and his brother, along with two boys they just met, planned a prank on relaxing adults in the Spencefield area along the Appalachian Trail. The boys weren't especially sneaky with the prank. The goal was to hide behind the adults and pop out and to uh, surprise them. However, the adults knew what the boys were up to. They watched as three of the boys went one way to sneak back through the bush. There's the bush, ladies and gentlemen. They watched a six-year-old Dennis and that bright red shirt sneak off in the other direction and for all intents and purposes off the face of the earth. The three boys performed their prank all in good fun when Dennis didn't pop out from another angle. William got up to look for him. He hadn't been out of sight for more than five minutes, but William's search quickly turned frantic. The father ran back up to the trail towards Russell Field, hoping the boy had gotten turned around and gone in the wrong direction. The others combed the area. Clyde eventually hiked out of the park ranger station arriving after 9 p.m. By then, a massive storm had arrived, drenching the mountains in a massive rainfall and dropping overnight temperatures in the 1950s. The next day, the search was hampered by two and a half inches of rain and dense fog. A word, as word spread of the missing boy, a massive response grew. Over the next few weeks, the search party grew to an unwildly and counterproductive size. Boy Scouts, National Guard members, multiple rescue squads, and even a group of 71 Green Berets who had been in, on maneuvers in western North Carolina came and searched for the boy. Wow, that's incredible. Helicopters arrived as well. With so many searchers and volunteers tramping over the wet and muddy ground, any clue or scent that lingered after the massive rain was quickly lost. That's so unfortunate. Dennis turned seven that week as searchers exhausted themselves to no avail. Wow. God. There were boy-sized footprints of someone wearing one Oxford shoe. 
like Denny had, Denny, and other foot bare. And the other foot was bare, okay. Family members said the prints were too big to belong to Denny. I don't know why they changed his name to Denny. Dennis. And searchers were skeptical as that area had been searched by Boy Scouts previously who could have left the prints. A single sock and shoe were also found. But it is unclear if the shoe was the right type or size or if it was the correct foot to correspond with the footprints. Those were essentially the only clues. The search for Dennis was the largest search in the park's history, like we said. Dennis was six when he disappeared and was never seen again. Alright, an odd testimony from the Key family. A family from Tennessee was in the mountains that day looking for wildlife in Cades Cove, several miles from where Dennis went missing. They left without ever knowing about the search of the missing boy. Weeks later, when the father, Harold Key, learned about the search, he called officials and reported hearing a scream and a figure running through the woods. Oh, God. News reports at the time indicated that Key's son thought the figure was a bear. Later, they determined it was a man hiding in the bushes. Quote, he was definitely avoiding us, Key was quoted at the time. Officials discounted the connection because of the distance and the rough timeline Key provided. It was nearly impossible to think someone could have snatched the boy and carried him away to that spot. Still, many have seized on the report, uh, citing along the dozens of internet-driven embellishments as an indication for Dennis that carried off that Dennis was carried off the mountain. Reportedly Dennis's father believed the boy was kidnapped. At one point a reward was offered for this for his safe return. Now the theory of feral humans. Over the years the ledge account made it to the internet where charlatans, shysters, and hucksters have teamed with conspiracy theorists and other curious folks who formed wild theories about feral humans in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park regarding what really happened to Dennis Lloyd Martin. One of the most popular theories involved wild men, feral humans who lived in the mountains and go about snacking, snatching livestock and children at night. There are videos on YouTube and social media, not of the wild men, of course, but of authoritative-sounding people discussing the wild men and the FBI cover-up as if it's simply common, if it's simply common knowledge. These wild men are something akin to little big feet. People believe there are humans who have lived in the wild so long they are closer to beasts than men. Some believe they have their own language, and apparently quite a putrid smell that forewarns of their arrival, which is just ineffective feraling, if you ask me. That's funny. <laughs> Allegedly, they're cannibals, too. Makes you wonder what they're doing out in the woods. All right. 
There's also a quote, uh, Others believe the wild men aren't quite that feral. Wild men could be descendants of mountain people who went deep into the forest before there was a park. And like the tribes of the rainforest, operate outside the realm of society. One guy made a very nice video walking his wiener dog through a cemetery. He speculated that a feral person could be indigenous people who slipped away before the Trail of Tears and survived in the forest well into the 1900s. He added that some of the feral people spoke English, others their own language. The same guy indicated his uncles were paid by the FBI to hunt the feral population prior to Dennis's disappearance. Holy shit. <laughs> Remember those Vietnam-era green berets? Okay. Our friends with conspiracy theorists would have us believe they weren't there as part of a search party. Wow. The conflict conflicting reports, his account is conflicting with most reports, though, if they were hunting feral people, they would be armed. No one reported seeing heavily armed green berets looking for Dennis. So if we have or had bands of cannibalistic humans roaming the park and abducting and eating folk, why don't we know about it? Why don't we? Well, the answer is as simple as it is idiotic. We, the good people of East Tennessee and Western North Carolina, make a lot of money off the park and we don't want to lose the cash cow by telling the world of feral humans. Apparently, we're willing to go on living next to the humanoids out of the H.G. Wells novel to keep y'all coming to our theme parks. But y'all are, like, helping out with these kidnappings and possibly murders. What do you guys think about that? Crazy feral people like wrong-term people snatching up little kids, five-year-olds, eating them, sacrificing them? I mean, it's quite sick. So to back up this theory on feral people out in the national park areas, the Appalachian Mountains, uh, I found this story called The Tree People, Feral Clan in the Virginia's Shenandoah Valley. A man and his friends are grilling deer outside while visiting a cabin in the Shenandoah Valley. Because of, this, because of this, their activity drew the attention of the tree people. My friend in this story I am still friends with to this day. I grew up in the mountains living off the land in Grayson County, Virginia. He and his family are recognized as members of the Pamnuki, Pamnuki, Native American nation. Once I had a not deer encounter in the woods in his backyard, he explained to me it was the manifestation of a forest spirit similar to what slaves call a leashy. It's amazing the things this man knows about really he about really he is just the wealth of knowledge and great human being sorry the 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 grammar and punctuation are whack in this story so we were working construction on the outskirts of Harrisonburg Virginia when the weekend cam came we decided to go stop by his cousin's lee cousin lee's land 
outway in the mountains, several winding dirt roads off Highway 33. Now let me tell you, Cousin Lee's gotten an old school mountain cabin still heated by a wood-burning stove. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Also, Cousin Lee's very simple. As a result of a childhood head trauma, he is by no means dumb, just like sling blades simple. Okay, God. So we're over there having a good time, grilling some deer he shot on the side of the mountain, and I noticed padlocks on what appeared to be refuse bins. Of course, I inquired, and the response I got was, them mother effers were, will dig in my trash and throw shit everywhere if I don't lock it. Cousin Lee burned what he could and took the remains to the dump very common practice in the area. I'm sorry, the punctuation is horrible in this article. God! So I'm assuming he is talking about raccoons and the man is simple, so he is being overdramatic. <laughs> this guy's awful. <laughs> I'm talking about the writer. <clears throat> we go in to eat and no one put the lock back on the re- refuse bin, which had the r- remainder of the deer carcass in it. Dinner goes by without a hitch, and after cleaning up, we decided to sit and smoke some mountain grass. Love it. We're smoking out, no alcohol, having a good old time, playing old records and bands like Led Zeppelin, when all of a sudden we heard a loud thud on the roof, followed by two quick steps and then silence. I have no idea what just happened. I just know I am scared shitless. Cousin Lee exclaims, It's them. They better not be in my trash. And go and goes into his room and comes out with a shotgun. My friend, we will call him Jay, grabs these two handcrafted walking sticks out of the corner. I am still oblivious by my friend Jay and his cousin Lee are headed to the back door like this is some routine. I then witness Jay bust out of the door first, with the two big sticks waving them in the air while making just strange growl-like noises. After Jay gets about ten feet out the door, out comes Lee with some shotgun, but he is waving it above his head and making the same crazy growling noise. At this point, I am just too curious about the situation and head for the door. When I got to the door, the pungent odor of bear shit, I poked my head out of the door and I see this hairy man dressed in tattered rags and caked with mud trying to gather the deer parts from the refuse bin. Ugh! I look up and there's another one on top of the shed, but he is perched almost like a gargoyle, wearing only what appeared to be a tattered vest. I'm drowning in awe of the situation. My mind is unable to fully process what is going on, and I let out a scream. This seemed to upset the trash digger, and he started banging a piece of the deer he had in his hand on the side of the refuse bin. God, what an image that is. Cousin Lee took the shotgun down and fired off a shot, and they took off. What was really horrifying was, apparently, there was only one of the roof behind all of our backs. 
I seen it coming overhead and it landed on the shed. The other one was on the was on and then a in a single bound leaped into the tree. He successively ran off with a piece of deer too. This is straight up wrong turn. Now here comes the real crazy part the explanation. Cousin Lee says, you never want to shoot one. They got a mighty big clan and they will come if you get one out of their own. Warning shots always scare them off. I just bust out, what the fuck was that? A response, the response I got, the tree people. Apparently people have gone into the forest and lived and survived and ended up clanning up the others living in the woods. This has been going on a long time. They have lived for several generations in the wilderness as feral people. Apparently, they steal clothing off the line tools, anything they can get their hands on, their hands on, and they also enjoy messing with people. Oh, and apparently they live in the trees, thus why they are called locally as the tree people. Well, have any of y'all encountered tree people? <laughs> this is insane. But it gets insaner. Because we're about to read some Reddit threads. This one's called The Hillbillies in the Mountains. Feral wild men and their cave systems. As we continue to back up this theory. <laughs> it's not the government. It's just feral people. Okay. So many reached out asking about the feral wild men wanting more details and information. Here's everything this person knows. First note sighting in my area of western North Carolina was back in 1930 or 1940. They have human quality, qualities, meaning hands, feet, nose, mouth, etc., some of the human qualities on the hillbillies are often disproportionate. One eye may be larger than the other eye. On hand may be larger than the other. The scalp and forehead may be enlarged like a tumor. They stand upright often with a humpback or slightly bent spine. They can just as comfortably get on all fours to hide or navigate. They are hairy, not furry, furry, but hairy uh, and not groomed. They are hairy. They may be the result of military experimentations of the mental health population that escaped. They will avoid interactions 99% of the time out of fear of becoming known and being wiped out. The other 1% sightings are either by accident or due to an abduction of a child or older person. Dennis! Abductions are typically for meals and sacrifice. Cave systems under the United States and all over the world are the homes of our most terrifying monsters. The hillbillies are primitive, but smart, so they have underground bunkers and traps all throughout the mountains. Some disappearances in our national parks and forests were due to people falling into traps that lead to their bunkers. Have you guys ever seen... Uh, the Descent. The Descent 2. 
I don't know if there's a third one, but God, those are terrifying movies. I highly suggest that if you're a big horror fan, which I'm assuming you are since you listen to the show. The government knows they are here. Oh, so the government is involved, allegedly. Along with Bigfoot, little green trolls, and creatures such as Mothman and the New Jersey Devil, and aliens, of course. Little green trolls? I never heard of that. The hillbillies will snatch a child right from under his mother, and she never see a thing. The Dennis Martin case is a perfect example of an abduction from the feral wild man. Wow. Now let's read some of the comments from this post. You mentioned witches in the mountains in one of your older posts. That caught my eye because I read this crazy encounter on the missing 401 sub, I believe. They were hiking in the mountains. I can't remember the state, unfortunately. The lady described hearing this incredibly loud scream from above them. So loud it sent them all to the ground out of reaction for like cover. She compared it to thinking a missile was coming up from behind them. Oh my gosh, that was a loud scream then. She said when she looked and saw a woman in black, pale, long black hair, flying in an Indian-style sitting position, passing over them just above the tree canopy. She said after passing them, she let out another horrific scream as she moved further into the forest. She said they all booked it back to the cabin and got the fuck out of there. That was probably the most uniquely bizarre experience I've had. I've read. Here's another one. This is so weird. I've always been scrolling through these stories. I keep thinking of one thing that happened to me. It was similar to this, but I didn't see anything. I used to smoke out of my window when I lived with my parents. So late one night, I opened the window and stuck my head out of it to smoke. This loud, piercing scream happened. I fell backwards onto the bed and just sat there, frozen for a few minutes. I ended up just closing the window and trying to pretend it didn't happen. I didn't see anything, but it wasn't like a normal scream. It was insanely loud and sounded like it was right next to me. My parents lived out in the country, and I always felt very uncomfortable outside at nighttime. I don't get scared easily, but I'm always feeling like something around at night. So what happened to Dennis Martin? He was five years old. What happened to all these other people? It's just crazy that they don't have documentation of these, or a database for these missing people. It's very weird. You would think that would be an essential thing to have? I don't know. Is the government, like, teaming up with these feral people? I would like to uh, hear your thoughts on this. Uh, If you've ever heard of feral people or the government being involved with the cave systems. Um, I've been caving, or deep caving once. And, my God, if I found a body or cannibals in the cave, that would be a nightmare. (laughs) 
caves are scary in general. Julia loves caving. Uh, she took me caving, the, the deep caving. And, God, I mean, once you're down there, you can be lost forever. Scary stuff, guys. Uh, would love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, please call the hotline, 540-358-1583. That's the cryptic hotline. If you want to tell your cave story, um, or your thoughts about this show, or this, this story, we'd love to hear it. I don't know about you, but it makes me think twice about going caving again. I'll probably go again. But, if I hear some screaming, or a disgusting odor, I'm getting the hell out of there. Well, thank you guys for listening and watching. We appreciate it. Uh, sorry that Josh wasn't on once again, but uh, he'll be back on next week, and we will reunite. <laughs> um, everybody, just be careful going caving. Um, tell people where you're going, and um, I guess lastly, watch your back. It's cryptic. <laughs>